It's finally Friday, folks. Fantastic. It's Friday. Fantabulous. We like to make up words here at The Crude Life because we don't like to get caught up in the little things that we can't control in life. That's just wasted energy. And this weekend, one thing that we're going to do here at The Crude Life is we're going to focus on other people's talents. What I mean by that is sometimes we get caught up in ourselves so much trying to survive in today's world that we forget that other people have got great great talents that can not only complement your life, but also inspire. So this weekend, I'm asking each and every one of you to look in the mirror and say, self, it's time to stop coasting on these good looks, charm, and talent, and start realizing some other people have that too. Who knows? I might just learn a few things this weekend. All right, folks, I'm going to get this party started because it's finally Friday. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Finally Friday. Finally Friday. Here at the Crude Life Morning Show. Look at that. Turned into a crooner session. That went off rail really Friday, quick here. Friday. Play hard. Work hard. Here on our Friday. What is it? January 29th. Just a couple more days left here in this month. 31 days. I know that because the Royal Rumble is this Sunday. Royal the Rumble. WWE's Royal Rumble is this Sunday. They go on the week off. From uh, the Super Bowl. That's that's how they kind of do that. That's a good time to cash in. People are waiting for something to happen, right? Well, when you got a two-week-off window, that's how she goes. So uh, that's how she is. But anyways, folks, welcome to the show today. It's a finally Friday edition here on the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spies. That is Sterling, and we've got a whole cast of characters lined up and topics here today. Our sponsor is Titan Solutions. We're going to tell you more about them in just a moment or two. But just to kind of give you an update on what they do, all the necessities that go around the oil and gas pump, they take care of from your sanitation stations to some matting to the LED light plants, all kinds of things. Links available at thecrudelife.com, thecrudelife.com on our show page. Also, our phone line sponsor, Swan Energy. They're sponsored today. We're going to have Pete Obermuller on a little bit later on, the president of the Petroleum Association in Wyoming, on our Swan Energy phone line. Pete Obermuller is in our newsmaker segment on the second half of the show. Our daily crude life update on the radio here on the podcast is Christy Craddock, the chairwoman of the Texas Railroad Commissioner, plus sports, 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 sports. And much more on today's episode. Hey, I got to ask, speaking of the phones, yeah, what's why up? were you on the phone just now? Like you were, I was talking to someone. You were talking to somebody. It sounded mm-hmm. animated, and you actually left the room, and you don't usually do that. Are you embarrassed by me? No, I'm not embarrassed by it at all. Okay. No, Who nothing to do with to? that. What's that all about? Oh, it was just, you know, a past guest. Okay. Something you're going to talk about later, or what? Am I just mm. going to have to... Okay. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure yet. Not okay. sure how to handle okay. it. Okay. So I can keep bugging you, though. Well, you can bug me all you want. Right. It doesn't mean I'm going to crack. <laughs> well, I'm just interested. You know, I'm I always mean, curious. 
Well, it's it, it was a high level talk. It was okay. it was a it was it was a president of a company. Really? Yes. And um, they were. It's about the eighth one I've got in the last month and a half. Okay, since probably Black Friday, wow. I started getting a few phone calls from some. Well, I mean, job interview. Obviously, you know who we interview here. Yeah, you you've witnessed it. You've you've seen that I spend time before and after the interview talking on the phone with a lot of these people. So these are people that have prior been on the show. I could narrow it down a little bit. You you asked who I was just talking to. Yes, yeah. it was, okay. this person has been okay. on the show before. I like a good mystery. And they were they were just asking my opinion on. Some things. And, and anyway, as I was saying, this opinion asking has been, I've been getting a lot of it. Hmm. And uh, I'm not sure if I want to talk about it yet. Okay. That's all. All right. So, okay. uh, but we can uh, get to the next segment. As what long is the as next segment? It's not segment? about me. It's kind of a. It's kind of a dull there. I mean, it kind of, you know, what's Sorry, that called? Sorry, I derailed kind of things a, here a little bit. Yeah, what, what, curious, what do they call it? Buzzkill. Buzzkill, man. Debbie Downer. Is that a thing? Does anybody know Debbie Downer? Uh, yeah, from like the 80s. Saturday Night Live. That's a long time ago, right? partner. Yeah. I was going to say The Office, but The Office makes me sound old, too. Yeah. I mean, did you realize The Office is like 15 years old? Yeah. Like yeah, man. 30 Rock is almost 20 years old. Yeah, nothing should be 20 years old. Idiocracy, the great documentary, is 20 years old. Yeah, the Ken Burns. (laughs) The Mike Judge (laughs) slash Ken. (laughs) Hey, by the way, yeah. Became a prophecy. I was going to say Beavis and Butthead. uh, I just. Now you're really dating yourself. The show, regular show, if any of you folks have ever seen it, it has to do with a raccoon and a blue jay and their slackers. And I just, I I love the show so much and I was watching it and it just, I. It's the modern day Beavis and Butthead. Modern, modern it's day. the modern day Beavis and Butthead where they actually sit around and go. <laughs> so anyway, I, I just had 30 seconds to fill. We're going to take a brief pause. So we come back. We're going to do sports, 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 sports. sports. Super Bowl news. Coming. No, it's a combination of sports and news together. Because we're tough. It's Friday. It's a big bad world. Hollering at your door. Play hard, work hard. It's sponsored in part by... If you have natural gas leases and are looking to sell them, Swan Energy wants to talk to you today. Give them a call at 866-539-0860. That's 866-539-0860. Swan Energy is buying up natural gas leases, and they may buy yours too. Give them a call today. The Industrial Forest. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry 
to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. To the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spees. That is Sterling. And now it's time for... Bum, 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 bum. Sports, 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 sports. So important you got to say it more than once, more than thrice, maybe five times. So sports, we got a couple sports, of sports, interesting sports. things we're talking about today. And I got a sports news. excited about? You go I even ahead. got a sports news. You Woo-hoo. go, you go, you go. I get to play. All right, what do we got? Oh, wait for the music. There we go. So, you know what? I was talking about... You know, you know, we were talking about Super Bowl facts, trivia, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, yeah. most, that doesn't really get as interesting to me as like, uh, you know, potential matchups or Super Bowls that never happened. But this was an article I came across um, um, talking about why do so few teams that lose a Super Bowl never get back or have such a hard time getting back. And I was thinking it was going to end up being sort of a dry statistic, you know, based on various facts. But it actually it tends to be more of a psychological thing. You know, and uh, so a lot of these teams that have lost, like take the uh, remember the Seahawks, they threw that interception. Yeah, just mind-boggling. Well, choice. Ace Ventura is based on that premise. Howard Finkel, or not Howard Finkel, Ray Finkel. Ray. Fi- oh, oh, you mean from Ch- Scott Norwood? Yeah, Scott Norwood missed the field goal for the Buffalo Bills in their first Super Bowl. Yeah. Out of the four, they lost consecutively. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That there was there, there's been so many psychological papers done on Scott Norwood syndrome that that's a real thing. So, there's been movies about people that wanted to kill him. I mean, yeah. But that's that's amazing that uh, you can actually it, it affects the rest of the players too. Well, you know, and, you know, you and I on t- different most levels. Most of us think about these guys, you know, these players as I mean, they are high energy. They are obviously supremely confident and skilled and. How do you deal with defeat on that kind of level when you're that kind of personality? And so it sounds like a lot of times what they do is they bring in motivational speakers. Like after the 49ers lost, uh, they brought in Kurt Warner, you know, who had lost two Super Bowls, won one, lost two. And talking about, you know, really trying to examine what made the year good. You know, and look at that. But it's hard, man. When you, I mean, any anytime you ever listen to these guys, they're talking about the whole point you get up and play is to win the Super Bowl. Tell you what, you get beat by somebody. Okay, let's just start at the basic wrestling. Okay, Greco-Roman wrestling, boxing, maybe it's a uh, uh, UFC. Okay, mm-hmm. to beat somebody one-on-one after you've been bested, that's not easy. No, that's not easy. So you know now, now five thousand foot back to a team. You could see where that would be very difficult, even for a motivational speaker to get through to somebody because you got so many individuals that are looking at the team they're facing as Goliath all the time. Yeah. So, you know, when you're going up against the Patriots. Oh, man, if you were in the AFC East for saying. the last decade, you had like PTSD, you or, know, every the, time the you Yankees. had the Yankees. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, there is that psychological factor. But, you know, I always kind of considered it was more of a free agency thing. You know, because when you get a team that wins or loses, but they've got to that level, they tend to fracture the next year. Oh, that's true. Is you know, whereas uh, they don't really talk about it. But, you okay. know, like you talk about the Bills, right? Four in yeah. a row. That was when I was starting to really get into football, man. Talk about four 
really boring Super Bowls if you were a Bills fan. After the first one. Devastating. First one was, first one was devastating, but the rest of them were just kind of laughable. Well, I know, but the first one was the last second field goal they yeah. missed. Yeah. Wide right or wide left, I forget. And... You know the Giants won that one, the but New York the reason, yeah, the Giants did. But you know, you look at that—the fact that the Bills were able to get back four times in a row and lose consecutive and lose, but still get back up and get to it. You know, so I think free agency more to, played maybe more of a factor there than necessarily psychological because they were able to retain their players, right? My favorite story that comes from the Bills run is when Thurman Thomas couldn't find his helmet. And he, play, he played at the Metrodome against the Washington Redskins, now the Washington football team. Right. He couldn't find his helmet, and so he missed the opening drive. Because he couldn't find his helmet? Because he couldn't find his helmet. <laughs> That's when you know things ain't going right. No, when you're, man. When your Hall of Fame running back yeah. is so whatever, that he can't. I got to look that up. Well, there's nothing the like the Super Bowl to that. really, like, you know, I mean, shine a focus on little elements like that, you know, things that happen. Then then it's easier to believe there's like a curse. Right. That, that's where it's like started coming, like, oh, yeah. the Bills well, are just having a Okay, this is going to date me, but the X Files, yeah. sometime it's third or fourth season, I think, they actually made the Bills' losses as part of a conspiracy. The Smoking Man. Oh, I love it. In a meeting, he said, as long as I'm alive, the Bills will never win a Super Bowl. That's fantastic. Is he dead yet? Is he dead yet? In I don't fact, know if they brought him the, back or the not. The X-Files should bring that back. Right, right. I mean, that's... Oh, that's, come on. They have to. It's it's pertinent now. They have to, right? The smoking man? Yeah. Is he is he even alive? I don't think so. Oh, you mean the, the actor? Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, well, his we'll character is in some mountain in Arizona, right? And I stopped got, watching a long time ago. Oh, I love that. But story. it was just one of those things where it was like, part of the zeitgeist right it was part of the public consciousness it was like if you were a bills fan i mean you were just a glutton for punishment oh i remember that episode when he said that yeah when he said he was like leaving the room or, mm-hmm. yeah i totally remember yeah that. just uh, a just a throwaway line but boom they they've of course they've wondered if the vikings are cursed minnesota vikings because they've <laughs> they've lost a number of super bowls four yeah i believe they um, have lost four and they they lose in very odd ways and, you know, they have these fantastic teams, and then they get blown out by the New York Giants, 45 to nothing, and, and when they're supposed to win. And then yeah. uh, uh, Morton Anderson or Gary Anderson misses the only field, only field goal of the of year. This, of the season, Only yeah. kick of the year. You know, yeah. all kinds of different curses that the uh, Vikings fans. And that would have been such a fun team to watch in the Super Bowl. Oh, with Randy Moss. And Cunningham. Oh. Yeah, Moss's rookie season, that was just a magical season to watch. You know, the other part of this, too, is when it comes to coaching, is when we interviewed Dale Brown. Dale Brown is a NCAA legend. He was he coached Shaq nice. at, at Louisiana State University, so he's a longtime Hall of Fame uh, March Madness coach, right? Mm-hmm. And what we talked about, and also with Mark Eaton, the basketball player, right, player. Uh, Utah Jazz, so they've both been on the crude life before, right? So we've interviewed them. And what we talked about with him was John Wooden would be fired today. John Wooden would never last because it took him 13 years to get that triangle off or the system, not the it wasn't to the develop it. Yeah. yeah, whatever his system was, it took him 13 years. Like he didn't make the Final Four at all. Right. But then he went on to be the most successful. He won like 26 in a row or whatever the heck the stats were, just ungodly amounts of of championships to where he's the considered the greatest coach of all time. 
there's just, you know, it's weird. You'll either get no patience in the NFL for coaches, right? I mean, who seems to be flipping coaches left and right? It's the Lions, you know. I, I think they just they just hired somebody new. Uh, and then on the other hand, you'll have ones that'll, like Marvin Lewis with the Bengals, you know. He was a great mediocre coach, at least in terms of what the teams ultimately produced, you know. But and, they kept him around for like 13 years. And, and where uh, Mark Eden brought the conversation, because he's a speaker, he's a guy who gets hired to go speak, and actually he speaks on natural gas a lot. Mm-hmm. He's a big proponent of natural gas. Is that that relates to the boardroom, to the management, that when you have longevity, okay, when you have longevity, generally you have a successful company or a successful sports organization. Stability. Right. Yeah. yeah, and eventually you do get some championships that do come out of it, and uh, and a lot of times it's because they keep the same coaching staff. Yeah, you know, you might lose one here or there to to a Super Bowl, you know, team or something like that. But it's anyway. There's something there about actually giving your leadership time to develop their plan, and if they're not developing it, well, then you got to you know cut bait and pull. Yeah, but it's a little bit of a. Giving a guy one or two years, boy, that's tough. Well, that's like the Jets, man. And I'm a Jets fan, and Jets pretty much stands for just end the season, you know. And that's the way it's been, except for actually '98 was probably the last time they were any good. But uh, yeah, they every two years or so they dump a coach. How what was that? You- we got another news story or no? But the, you were going to talk to me a little bit about this Royal Rumble. Oh, and the WWE I switch thought, I thought to we had Peacock sports story. Ah, okay. that was okay. All right, so. The WWE is moving to the NBC Peacock Network. Have you seen NBC Peacock? I have seen the ads for it. I've seen it. I watch uh, Parks and Rec. Yeah. As kind of, I like to put white noise on in the background, Mm and I like um, Parks and Rec. I like The Office. I like uh, Trailer Park Boys. I like Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Yep. I like, it depends on my mood, you know. Sure. Um, 30 Rock, that's yeah. always a fun one. But any one of those is good for just background noise. Frasier every yeah. now and then. But I kinda, I've had to see them before. I, I do not like to watch anything new. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, is that I don't want to sit and watch it. I just kind of want to You don't laugh. have to pay attention to it. Right. You want to just be able to have it there. Yeah. White noise. Yeah, white yeah, noise. White noise. Comfort. So uh, the Peacock, yeah. I've, I have been noticing the Peacock has ramped it up because when Netflix took off... A lot of it was attributed to The Office. Mm. So The Office was a very big sought-after, not only piece of uh, uh, content, but it also was from a, oh, it was the most viewed. Like, The Office was the most viewed on Netflix, okay? So it was a big revenue producer, too. Well, I've noticed Peacock now has it as of January 1st. So they 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 must have had some deals sunset or you know how that all that yeah. works so that when when you deal with this it depends on who it's at. Well, they keep swapping them around. Right. I've noticed Paramount now is coming out with a new streaming network and Paramount has got some stuff. They've got a lot of content. They got a lot of content. Okay, so you got Disney. Jeez, man. You got another 10 bucks a month. You got NBC. Yeah. HBO Cinemax. You got what's the other one? Hulu. Hulu, which yeah. NBC used to own, or they were an investor in. Okay, they must no longer be a part of that if they have their own network now. So why does WWE need Peacock? So WWE had the most successful network in the world, right, for a long time, and they probably still do. So this is actually a very smart move by the WWE. 
extremely smart. And a lot of people are going to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because WWE has got a lot of subscribers that pay $9.99 a month. Oh, yeah. You're talking about okay. a dedicated audience there. And the Peacock is going for $4.99. Is it really? And then $9.99. So $4.99, you get premium with ads. $9.99, you get premium without ads. Without ads. Okay. The WWE subscribers are used to $9.99 already. Yeah. They get all the pay-per-views. They get blah, all this oh, other man, stuff. Oh, man, we're all conditioned to these little microtransactions now. Totally. So Peacock now is going to bring all the content from WWE over. All the past pay-per-views, everything. Are you going to be able to just watch that so stuff? So the, the WWE network that streams in the United States, because you got to remember... They got a UK one. They got an Australia one. They got an India one. They got a China one. Right, All those are separate. Mm -hmm. So those are like little separate businesses, right? So Peacock is just going to be for the US. So anybody who streams the WWE network now is going to be just flipped into Peacock. So now they get the WWE network with the office and part, everything mm -hmm. that goes with it. Okay. Yellowstone, which is another popular show with Kevin Costner. Okay. Right. So when you take a look at what they're doing, the WWE is looking at it like we're losing subscribers because we ain't got any fans going to our shows anymore. So our product just isn't as good. COVID's been tough on it, this. It has been. Yeah. And so the long and the short of this is they're using each other. They're going to use each other for about three to four to five. I forget how long the. Was the, it like the five years or something? Yeah, it's, uh, let's take a look here. World Wrestling Entertainment is shutting its streaming video network and will instead host a content to US, or NBC Universal's new direct-to-consumer platform, Peacock. What happened? WWE will close the WWE network streaming platform in the U.S. mid-March in transition that was launched this last July. Okay, so it doesn't say how long it is. Five years. Five years. So it's five years at a billion bucks. Wow. But here's the deal, is that both parties get a walk away after five years, and they're still going to be friends, and they're still going to do business together. These guys go back 20 years. I mean, USA Network is owned by NBC. Right, yeah. Saturday night's main event, Vince McMahon and Dick Ebersol are so tight, they went into business together for the XFL, okay? Right. These guys know how to do business together and understand when strength and numbers work. Seems like win-win. So if you're an oil and gas company and you're listening to this diatribe and, and, and this, this weirdness about the WWE and the Peacock Network... You're very passionate. What you need to take away from it is that strength and numbers and competition working together works and doesn't always doesn't always but right now is a time when it does so instead of what did you call that yesterday bashing at each other the bash the people are bash talking Just, now. yeah there's bashing each other back and forth ba yeah. Yeah, ba back and forth bashing yeah that's what it is so instead of back and forth bashing we need to do more collaborating and inclusion okay not talking about it by back and forth bashing Actually, do it. And what the what NBC Peacock has done with the WWE is just that, because both of them are really kind of having to give a little bit 
to get a lot. Well, but think about the subscribers that are gonna. I mean, that are gonna get rolled into the Peacock. I mean, yeah, it does. It seems like a win-win, right. and actually, it kind of seems like a win-win for us but too. But five years when WWE walks away and takes all their content with them, yeah. and it all goes away from the Peacock. Well, the Peacock's gonna lose a big chunk of subscribers, but they're gonna retain enough, yeah. and they just got five years of great content and the WWE just got five years of low risk on the whole streamer business plan. And a chance to pick up a lot of new people. Anytime you're producing content, generally it costs more than what you're taking in. Take a newspaper, Mm -hmm. okay, or a magazine. Generally it's 50-50 and you're lucky if you can break profit, break, break, break even there. You know, that's like a 20% old school profit margin, okay? Because you got to pay the printer, you got to pay the writers, you yeah. got to pay the editor, and you got to pay the, the the all the laborers, right? Well, every time that you write an article, that is a cost center, okay? Sure. All the ads are the only thing that you're making money on. Yeah, that you're not actually getting paid for your words, right? Really. Yeah. So, same kind of deal. Yeah. Then. So well, no, I mean it makes sense. And you know what I'm curious about is how do you get access to some of the international WWE? Because I got to think that would be fascinating. You just got to live in the country. Ah, uh, so you, you, you can't. There's same no deal. way to get it. They know by your phone. They uh, know by your d- subscriber base yeah. and everything along those. Because I'm, you know, I'm thinking it'd probably be some slightly different content. Maybe some cool stuff. Yeah. Well, probably. Yeah. yeah it's the same. It's the same thing. But a lot of it's just translated. Yeah. They have their own announcers. They got their own announcers. Right. Uh, but they do have their own. They have. A, they have a platform. Called called NXT. It's kind of the minor leagues. They've got an NXT UK, NXT India, NXT Australia. It's like a farm system almost. That's what huh? it is. Yeah. And that farm system is there. They have a a, a, a tentpole anchor show yeah, absolutely. that they have for their home base. And so they let the home country run it. Dude, I think somebody needs to reach out to the WWE. I'm thinking from the oil and gas industry about helping them come up with a better message and marketing. You think about it, over the course of our lifetime, in America, it's you're hard-pressed to find a better, more successful story about promoting wrestling, right? We're you're, talking about... You're talking you know, about a choreographed ballet. Yeah, you're talking about... <laughs> You're talking about latex and bouncing off a floor and thump chest thumping, and it is awesome, and they marketed it, and it is widespread, and it's effective. So I say bring them into the mix. Totally. Why they do need you think to start Donald, the, Donald Trump brought in Linda McMahon to be the small business administrator yeah. for that very reason. <laughs> That's right. I well, they've had to that. reinvent themselves a hundred times yeah. over. Yeah. I mean, in major ways. And again, right here, yeah. could you imagine the meetings? They've invested so much into that network. Oh, absolutely. To just turn it over to NBC for five years? I wonder if one of the, you know, if it came down to... Think of all the employees probably that they had to lay off at the same time by doing this. Does it say anything about that? No, it doesn't. Yeah, I'm sure. But I'm not reading that far. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's probably the stuff they don't want to talk about quite as much. That's buried at the bottom. Well, because they probably don't know yet either. Yeah. You know, but but you know what I mean. If, mm-hmm. if you have a whole content division and then all of a sudden that goes away and, and you have a, a different distributor, well, I would imagine there's going to be some. Well, you know, take away the, the pandemic and you've still got a media ecosystem that's really changing a lot lately. I mean, ESPN was gutted in the last couple of years mm-hmm. and it's being consolidated, whereas Disney's pretty much buying everything up right on one side. So, yeah, I think the the scramble from some of these other companies is to find a good footing because now we're paying. Remember, we used to pay, what, 50, 60 bucks for cable, right? 
for crappy standard cable. We got rid of that because we were excited about paying nine bucks a month for Netflix. Now we're paying nine bucks a month for Disney, nine bucks a month for Hulu, nine bucks a month, you know. So it's just like, at what point does, how many of these are you going to keep? You know, you got me thinking. Uh Uh-oh. I am going to talk about that phone call. Um, You know what? We're going to take a break. When we come back, let's talk about it. Ooh, good. What you said about. Does it connect somehow? The gutting out. Mm -hmm. The layoffs. The restructuring, all that is going on in the oil and gas industry. And that is the common theme, actually, uh, with the conversations that I've been having. And the conversations I'm having are pretty specific with with, with these presidents and CEOs. Mm -hmm. But the theme is what I wanted to get at because I I don't want to... I don't want to name any names. Yeah, right. Yeah, I understand that. I, I don't want to even be as specific so that anybody can even know what I'm talking about in terms of a, a company or whatever the case might be, because I've interviewed hundreds of CEOs and presidents over mm. the past two years. You've got okay? to know about what you let can alone, and can't talk let about alone on air. 10 years. Right. So what I'm getting at is that the, there's a certain concern when it comes to social media and how employees now at home are spending their days and how the companies are paying for it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, shoot, man. I'd... So let's, hang yeah, on, let's okay. hold that thought. Oh, that, oh, that, hold great. That, That'll be say, a whole good segment. Just the fact that you are ready to go <laughs> without knowing what the bleep I'm talking about. Because this is a very touchy subject. Because, well, it hey, cuts man, across a lot of different Well, and a lot of people, they don't want to give that up. No. But from the business, business, the guys signing the checks are generally looking at the world a little bit different than the guy cashing the check. So that's the conversation we're going to have, I guess, coming up next here awesome. on I'm the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. We're going to do a little play hard and work hard next. Okay, we'll mix it up. Well, it's it's going to be fun, hey, but at it's the same Friday. time, it's it's one of those things that it's a I, it's a conversation that needs to be had. Play hard, work hard. It's sponsored in part by... If you have natural gas leases and are looking to sell them, Swan Energy wants to talk to you today. Give them a call at 866-539-0860. That's 866-539-0860. Swan Energy is buying up natural gas leases, and they may buy yours too. Give them a call today. The Industrial Forest. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard.
Welcome back to the Crude Life Morning Show. My name is Jason Spees. That is Sterling. This is Play Hard, Work Hard, our final segment of a Friday. Oh, boy, I tell you, I'm about ready for this week to be done. It's been a long week, a lot of snow up here in Dakota. Yeah, but you still got a lot of energy, I noticed, more than I do. Because the week's almost done. Yeah. You know, and then we're going to work hard coming up next. So we've got Pete Obermiller with the Wyoming Petroleum Association. Also, Christy Craddock with our daily crude life interview on the radio here on the podcast. Of course, those interviews coming to us through our Swan Energy phone line. Our sponsor today, Titan Solutions. All those links are available at thecrudelife.com. Of course, if you just go to our show page, easy peasy. Can't say Japanesey anymore. Lemon squeezy. Is that what it is? Lemon squeezy? That's what my kid okay. says. Yeah. I haven't heard it since my grandpa, so <laughs> it was Japanesey back then. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> it was, right? Okay. Yeah, it absolutely was. That's a whole segment we should do sometime. Yeah. I'm not sure it could air. But I want to hear about this phone call. Oh, yes. Okay. Look at me trying Come on, to change man. our... Yeah, trying to change the subject here. So, okay. So here's... it. There's this conversation that's slowly percolating... And it's I, I've been having quite a few pretty high level conversations, okay? And they're not sure how to do this because generally the people that are pretty active on social media are are, are pretty good employees. They're they're out, you know, b- bringing that energy out to the community, right? You know what I'm saying? Uh, cheerleaders, if you will, right? They're pictures of their family and at the beach and doing fun stuff, and yeah. But gotcha. there's there's also there's also a little bit of a um, growing pains and some fine tuning and some other things because at the end of the day, it is a business, yeah. it, it, you know, and and if there's going to be money dumped into something, there needs to be a return and. What are we gauging as our return? I've had more conversation about the value of likes, whether it's even mm-hmm. of yeah. value or not. Absolutely. You know, that type of thing. Because, you know, one guy I talked to, okay. You can he, pay for likes. Right. I mean, right. how is that legal? But So, yeah, take that for example. Okay, our social media that we have here at The Crude Life, and I've, I've told this to, to our, our people I've talked to, we haven't spent one dime, not one Dime. Okay, so my LinkedIn, for example, <laughs> I've got ten thousand at the crude life, and then about twenty-seven thousand with me personally. Okay, because for the first few years, just me personally was the crude life, and I haven't been on LinkedIn for more than four years. Is that still a thing? It still is. Okay. Very, very, actually resourceful in the oil and gas industry. Okay. That's right. You're not on it. No, I actually I might have an account, but I. That's yeah. right. <laughs> you're so. I think you're I get so emails. out of the industry, dude. That you don't even. <laughs> I mean, it's not how I connect. Well, no, because you and your network is all Facebook. You yep. guys all do Facebook, pretty much. I mean, because you guys are connected socially because you grew up in Dahran. Yeah. So your whole connection to the oil and gas industry is 100% social. And it's actually really completely empowered by things like Facebook. Back right. in snail mail days when we were all living around the, the world and the country, you know, you wouldn't be able to keep in touch with half a dozen people at a time. Right. And so I've always looked at that, what you do as a high school reunion. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it works great for high school reunion type business models. Yeah. But when you take a look at, you know, another company. It's fuzzy when you start trying to equate, how do you monetize it? Right. Like I remember when I first started. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, so uh, through all the Facebook and through all the LinkedIn, everything along, we have about 350,000 followers, okay? Because we've got all those little, 
little uh, Bakken.com and uh, uh, Permian Shale and Niobrera over on Facebook. We've got these individual shale play sites. And these are ones that you developed over a decade. Right. I mean, it's not like, you was, know, it's well, dumped over the... You said something cool and you got a million... These were during there. $100 oil days. So right. because of the news that we were doing, it was just... It was it was very snow, snowball organic. Yeah. So when we take a look at all that different stuff... Um, you know, our Super Bowl picks, mm-hmm. our Super Bowl numbers board. All right. This is no lie. I tracked it. We created a new email address called studio at the crudelife.com. Okay. We created it. So we're not using it for anything else. And we posted on at 9 a.m., 9 a.m. on Monday. I remember. 9 a.m. on Monday, we posted that we were going to do Super Bowl picks. It's free, it's fun, it's football. And we posted it on LinkedIn, and we posted it on our Facebook accounts. In 18 hours, we got 44 people to sign up. Pretty much filled it up, didn't okay. we? Okay. In 18 hours, yeah. our social media brought in 44 results. Now, it was free. So if we would have charged five bucks, maybe we would have got two people. Right. I, who knows? Yeah. But because it was free and fun... And we had a real captive audience, always at the Crude Life audience. We have 44 in 18 hours. Well, it seems like it's a real easy way to, to demonstrate that you're getting the message out and people are responding to it. That's the problem with social media, right? Is it's like... So, yeah, go ahead. Is, is, is how do you equate the value of it? Right. So what we're doing is that, you know, for us, it's part of our template it's mm-hmm. part of our logistics of how we go about with our our model right okay so that's how we do it now we don't have instagram here because we just we don't have the resources to dump into it because we don't see any way to make a profit on it we're still not entirely sure what it is either no because our our audience on facebook and linkedin and twitter produced 44 people in 18 hours for something so we're very happy with our audience oh absolutely also, because I can see who follows us on a lot of different places, and I've taken screenshots, and you see the conversations I have with people, Yeah. as long as I know they're getting it, I don't care if anybody likes it or not. <laughs> the, the other thing, too, about what's interesting about the 44 in 18 hours, we didn't even get 44 likes. Think about that. But these are 44 businesses, right? That we have now... Got leads for right, and but they're, I mean, we they, now, we now opened up a relationship to them that we can go back and say, "Hey, listen, thanks for joining in. Here's our products and services, and they're probably going to be a little bit more apt to do it now, and that sort of thing. And that's just how we're going to, you know, basically make lemons out of lemonade. Yeah. Uh, or do you make? Yeah, let's make lemons out of lemonade. Okay. Let's, let's go backwards. We're going to go backwards. Let's we're going to squeeze that. it in, man. That's how we do it on Friday. <laughs> we squeeze it in. Let's squeeze it in. So what do they get out of it? You know, because I think that goes to the whole point of what, what I think you're talking about is that you've got the face of a company, but then you've also got all of these so, people that are part of a company that are on social media. Getting back to what the conversations in the boardrooms are, and okay, because layoffs are happening. No secret there. Reductions in salaries are happening. No secret there. Some companies have even fired everybody and made everybody rehire. Okay, go apply again type of a thing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that's done because they can bring in some younger, cheaper pay to do like some different things. Right. Okay. So 
Well, I'll give you an example in North Dakota. U.S. Senator Kramer, he's been on the show a few times. Back when he was a public service commissioner, he got into some hot water because when Obama was running, maybe against Mitt Romney, might have been. 2012. That sounds about right. Yeah. Um, there was some pretty popular poster of a probably like a three- or four-year-old kid flicking off the camera, and it was in black and white. Well, one of the staffers on Congress or uh, Public Service Commissioner then, Kramer's team, took a picture of it and put it on social media and did some post about Obama right. in a derogatory so, turned way. Turned it into a political meme. So that then turned into the big kind of uh, radio talk show talker for a day, and mm-hmm. I think the newspaper did a story on it about the responsibility of a public worker. Seems kind of tame today. <laughs> Doesn't it, though? It does. But, you know, uh, why should tax dollars go to a staffer for political reasons when he's supposed to be doing work, not doing social media, things like that? So that's kind of what I'm comparing it to with these conversations I've been having the last couple months, mm-hmm. which is people are working from home now. Yeah. And they're starting to see, like, where people are liking things and sharing and and where they're starting to spend their social media time. And they're starting to notice that it's almost more of like a Facebook than a LinkedIn, if that makes sense. More of a social atmosphere that's going on. Like, hey, look at this party As opposed here. to like business social As opposed media. to a business. Hey, we need this service here. Hey, check out my service here. Yeah. Um, our clients are this, or in the case of several people that I've talked to, the presidents, they noticed their employees didn't even share the interview that they did. And not only the person didn't, because you can get into the whole individual debate. Well, that's their personal account, right? But there's also hours, hours during the day and you know, you can't, you can't go work for a tire shop and sit on Facebook eight hours a day, can you? No, you can't. <laughs> Probably not for very long. No, nobody's going to pay you to socialize. Yeah. Well, back when I worked at the convenience store, we couldn't sit around back by the smokers and talk all day. Right. Get to work. Yep. Not paying you to stand <laughs> around. Same kind of concept, right? Yep. So that, that kind of mentality is starting to be had where they don't know how to tackle this because I'll give you another example. Another president talked to me about this. He said, Jason... I can't figure this out. He goes, I'm paying this guy $80,000 a year. And all I see is personal <laughs> branding for a side company he's doing on these public or these social media accounts. Because by the way, a lot of these presidents and CEOs, they're not on social media. Yeah, they're, they're just assuming that they're, that's why they hired somebody busy. to do that. Right, yeah. So somebody's like using the president, you know, business daddy. We call it business daddy. Dime to either be a to start their influencer business so they can go follow their bliss and be an influencer or start a side company and they're spending all this time during the day on the business daddy's dime do you see what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a. Gr- it seems to be a real fuzzy area. It's a real fuzzy it's area. Because that's, you, why, that's why I was. That's why I was really hesitant how to bring this up. Well, and I imagine from a you know from the CEO or the president's point of view, like you said, you got a lot more people at home, so 
the social media habits of the individual and their work habits are basically consolidated into one place. Dude, They're I, sitting in their pajamas on the computer. And right? I've got my Facebook page open all day. Right. Whether I'm using it or not, it's a different story, but I, I have it open like all day because I'm just kind of, for me in social media, I'm more of a shouter than a consumer because mm-hmm. I use it strictly for distribution. Honestly, I, I 100% use it for distribution. Yeah, I don't see you spend a lot of time just kind of floating around through various news stories. No, you won't see me doing too much. No. But I'm trying to make a better effort of it because I understand the significance and the importance of it. And I do know you do have to engage. Oh, absolutely. You do have to engage. And that's why we're bringing in someone younger here than you and I who don't have kids. <laughs> well, that's another thing, too. Well, it's a yeah, totally different mentality. Well, because if you have kids, you're not going out to all the parties. And if all the parties are what's being shown on social media, well, that's a different advantage. That I, I was very impressed with the president that brought that up to me. Well, see, like I could see that as an advantage. Let's say you have an employee whose social media presence as, say, your VP or marketing on a personal side shows a happy family, uh, trips to the pool, you know, uh, barbecues, wholesome thing, you know, something that, that provides a positive image for the company, right? They're happy with that. If the employee is associated or pictured or, or whatever, there's something that the company's not comfortable with, can the company come in and say, that's your Facebook page, but you work for us? I mean, that that's the kind of line I wonder about One now. dude got fired because he was at the Trump rally. Somebody saw him on the news. Well, that's, you know, when we when you mentioned this at the end of the last segment, that's what I wanted to jump in with. Not necessarily Trump stuff, but just that just how social, well, how it's being used. Yeah. Um, is that there's a, uh, you've either got video evidence or documented evidence of somebody saying something or doing something like at the Capitol, or you've got enough of a, um, a presence behind shutting somebody down, canceling something out, right? And once that snowball effect starts on social media, it's hard to get, out from underneath that without a doubt yeah so as a business owner i'd be a little terrified if i had employees that you know like this guy with kramer right the, sending out the obama thing to me that sounds like a staffer that was thinking politically and trying to be snarky and fun and come up with something that was viral uh, but really probably wasn't looping in kramer on it you know it was just, no. just assuming that he was able to do something well, and, along those and, lines and that's where that's where the the bigger picture of well that's the culture that mm-hmm. has been installed yeah. and that that was that was kind of the the bigger 5000 foot view that the yeah i don't even think it was the newspaper that brought so somebody tried to actually have that conversation and that's when it ended because at that point it bored everybody because <laughs> oh what if you're going to layer this conversation well no, you know we in some ways flip it off the guy you it know it gives but, people an, a, a, a but, safety valve or an excuse but too take the flip side of that okay the positive side of that mm. okay um, there's, there's government agencies. I mean, this does, we don't even have to talk about private sector here. We can talk about government agencies and it's the same exact conversation. Now mm-hmm. you've got government agencies flat out giving shout outs and, and Hey, great to see so-and-so and this and that. Well, there's a value there. Yeah. There's a big value there. And now if you have that sort of access being monetized, now we're having a different conversation. At when when I was at the uh, Petroleum Council a few years ago, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, new policy. I couldn't bring my camera in anymore. Okay. So, what? What? Right. So, just to make everything a little bit so more now, anonymous. Now, now I got to go buy 
photos from one person that's allowed because they only allowed one person. Okay. And then I found out they didn't pay her either. So they used it as they, they're using access as kind of a, a money. Sure. So you take that and you do the same thing to social media, you get the same deal, man. I was going to say, it probably translates perfectly oh, over it's just, to social it's media. It's such a slippery slope and yeah. fuzzy area right now. That's why I'm getting all these calls because there's serious conversations. So are they, Something's going to happen. Some kind of thump is going to happen in the world of social media, in the world of business like we have not seen. So do you think, like, are these, are these people that you're talking to, are they concerned about, like... Wasting money. Wasting money. Yeah. Number one, wasting money. Number two, politics. They they're tired of having all their employees political. Yeah. Well, and that's that's you know going back to what I was saying is that you you get people that are getting fired right because they were vocal. So you can make the case that well you know they were exercising their First Amendment rights and there's some could be consequences to that right. Uh, but at, on the same time, it's like what can you say? You know, on Facebook on a personal level. I have people that are also business associates, so I actually have to think a little bit about self-censoring when I'm posting. I don't pay too much attention to it, but I notice myself not sharing things that I might normally because I don't want to start a political discussion on my Facebook page. So if I'm going to put on my Libra hat, which I do often, because yeah. I'm a Libra, okay, ladies, I'm a Libra. Lucky Libra. And which I like to take a topic and bat it back and forth until it's water vapor. So if I'm going to take, you know, the one side, all right, let's, let's take a look at the one side, right? It's my personal freedom, mm -hmm. right? And if I'm going to take the other side, well, I understand it's your personal freedom, then take my business name off of your social sites. Yeah. Yeah, that seems like a pretty straightforward, you know, if you... But that, that, that's, that's difficult to yeah. say. No. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just thinking is that that probably makes it harder now too with people at home more in COVID is the distinguishing between I'm VP of marketing for ABC oil versus I'm Todd from, you know, that's a VP of marketing doing something social. Yeah. Well, this conversation isn't so much new, um, but it is to some people because when salary. Frackleberry thinks so. When sal oh, is it a climate activist on her lawn again? When. When um, salaried employees kind of you know took over, there was that conversation about you, you got somebody after hours, mm -hmm. and somebody who works nine to five doesn't understand that because they're Fred Flintstone down the tail when the whistle blows, right? Okay, as opposed to the person that's essentially always on call. Now, when you started adding the whole computers, well, now you had salaried employees working at home a lot after their office hours. Mm -hmm. Because people like to work, they like to get things done, they like to be productive, and they don't like downtime, and they don't want to do the dishes and laundry. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. So you, companies were getting a lot more than 40 hours a week out of people, you know? Yeah. So the, the, I, all I'm saying is that there was, there was a time where a person was doing so much work that it became such a big part of their identity, that's how they introduced themselves is, Hi, Vance Johnson. Vance Johnson Refrigeration. Right. That's why that character was so funny in the office because he represents so many of us where we are our job. You are the job. Right. Yeah. So it makes it very difficult to look at the owner and say, I'm giving you everything. You're going to let me post whatever I want because yeah. I'm giving you my heart and soul. And the owner can turn around and say, 
you have no idea what that post just did to my bottom line. Well, yeah, I've always you, looked. Does at, that make yeah, sense? Absolutely, because yeah. you're, you're, you're. It's a job. You do the job. You don't. If you're working for the company, you don't own the content. Your whole job is to either create the content, market the company. Yeah, it, that seems pretty straightforward. So I'd be, I'd be surprised why there'd be so much pushback. Do you think it's because people enjoy? the you know the influencer the idea of being able to start their own thing of being popular i mean is that what's driving it i just call it the kardashian effect yeah it's just that's what it seems like it's the facebook effect is yeah. is taking over a lot of the the business side of things mm-hmm. and then on vice versa when you try to put the the you know the business linkedin into the facebook it just doesn't work and people tune you out because they want people magazine yeah. facebook you want people magazine Instagram, you want whatever The Rock's doing. It's, he's 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 carved. The See, new I'm path old school, there. man. I like business hours, and then I like going home and putting on my sweatpants and sitting down and not having to worry about what other people are saying or thinking, and just relax. You know. Well, so the idea of of social media and being your job, it's even worse now. I think. You know. Well, for me, it's a little different because you know I was off social media for two years, mm-hmm. including my businesses. Okay. Okay. I mean. I used to have people that would look at me and they would say, you're a media company and you're not on social media. And then they'd pause and they'd go, that's genius. Yeah. That's, that's your strategy. Well, man, yeah, it's your strategy. It's and awesome. I could, and I'd go, no, it's called, nobody will pay me to be online. Right. So we're not going online. <laughs> I go, we just started to start from scratch. It's market and, driven. And until anybody pays it, well, cause we had radio and writing and yeah. you know, we've got five different profit centers under this little, little small little company and so we were always like until somebody pays us to you know do online and so it took a couple years till that market started happening but you take a look at newspapers and magazines and radio stations and television they're still trying to figure out how to make a living online especially now that peacock and all Mm -hmm. these other you know streaming networks are coming into play and 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 you know i mean everybody is a uh is a journalist now that has a cell phone. Well, everybody's got a voice, you know, whether that's a voice you want to listen to or not. But so I'm curious, what do you yeah. think in so the next up? couple of years that it's going to, how that's going to shake out then? How is I it- think you're going to have social media policies that are going to be rewritten and take on a whole new sort of, it's going to, it's going to address your home. It's mm-hmm. going to address your personal accounts. It's going to address things you can and cannot say. Uh, probably a lot at hours in some cases because some people have social media policies now. Yeah. Okay. And a lot of it is just there in case they need it. But I think what you're going to see now is more proactive on the social media side instead of reactive, if that makes sense. I think so. Because what they would do before is that if somebody got in trouble, mm-hmm. then they would have to come up with a. Depending on the severity of it and whether they like the person or not they would fire them right. because of this social media policy. Or they would look the other way. So now what there's going to do is they're going to, ha- you'll probably see, actually you'll probably see training. Yeah, a whole new industry will pop up probably. Social media. Uh, I bet you there's some sort of coaching that goes on already. You yeah, know, and like- there's probably a handful of people already out there doing yeah. this. But it, like, you know, social media etiquette, for example, that might become a whole new Remember how the the cheerleaders, uh, business coaches were going around for about five, 10 years, you know, they had their day in the sun, the Mm -hmm. Tony Robbins acolytes and things like that. Probably something like that, but social media, corporate call us policy, culture type of a thing. Yeah. Well, we have to. The president just got banned for life. (laughs) I mean, dude, 
Have you ever heard of such a thing? Well, I think, you know, I think... The president of the United States got banned for life because he tried to stand up for what he believed in. You'd think these... The presidents are a little bit pissed off. I, you know, I think too, when it comes down to... I think what we'll start to see is siloing of social media even more. And that's what I think is going to be the problem. You'll have your Facebook where you go strictly for friends, family, and whatnot, and it'll be LinkedIn or other types of, that are just for business. I, I really think that's gonna how they're going to have to go because otherwise, as a company, you're like, okay, do I fire an employee because they said something that offended a bunch of people or did something that offended a bunch of people and they're getting called out for it? Uh, or do I not fire them, ignore it, and then potentially bear the bottom line falling away, you know? Another, and we've, we're way over on time, but just one final thought, because I, I just thought of another, another comment that I spent about a good hour on the phone with someone. And this was uh, on a Saturday as well. A Saturday. A working I got a day call. for you, huh? Okay. And it was Saturday morning. I got a call, and they, you know, had, they had to lay off some people. Mm-hmm. So that it already happened. And he was asking me about just some social media things, uh, because... His issue was that he did not want to post things at events and bragging, you know, the Kardashian type stuff Mm -hmm. because he just laid off people. Right. So that sends a bad signal. Right. right? Like celebrate. I I don't want to go out and show me at some fundraiser Mm -hmm. when I just laid off three employees. Or whatever the, I can't remember the numbers. Yeah. But so what was he looking for? Like some advice on how to just, how, what's your message? How, how do you how do I promote on social media without offending? Without the seeming like a totally heartless bastard. Right. 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 Because right. yeah. he, he has a heart. Yeah. He has a heart, and yeah. he's and because he has a heart, he calls me on a Saturday, not during the working yeah. time. He calls me on his off time. Man, I when hope he's there's more like to be that with guy. His family. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And he's trying to figure out how to navigate through this because we're in such times of uncertainty that it's tough to operate a business that works a year out mm-hmm. when you only get two months out at a time. Well, and on top of dealing with uh, environmental messaging and all the other stuff, mm-hmm. it's you know it just seems like there's a lot of different things flying around. But to get to your pillar, mm-hmm. that's the Kardashian pillar which is that those that have the bailouts or have the deep pockets, they're the ones that get to continue doing the, the Kardashian-type social media posts. Mm-hmm. And if that's what's taking over the world of business and everything else now, well, that's a new level of pay-to-play yeah. and siloing because now what you have is you've got people that are only going to be liking and sharing certain people's things because they're going to be afraid of what so and so will say when they see him at the next cotillion. If there's Does a, that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And if there's a market for disenfranchised people for whatever reason, there's going to be somebody who will find a way to fill that niche, right? It's it's that's, it's uh, that's part of a car, uh, market-driven economy. Th- and and this is one of those topics where there's no right or wrong answer right now because there's well nobody, we're living through it. Nobody there's, knows what to do. Yeah, there's not really a manual for this. So you know. people are saying go with with works, but right now what works, what works right now might actually be short term gain equals long term pain. And Absolutely. there's a there's a whole segment. In fact, we should next week we should just ask every guest about short term pain 
equals long-term gain. Yeah. Because that is a very important lesson in business. That's the low-hanging fruit type of a thing, you know, where, man, that, oh, I'm, I'm glad I said that. That's Yeah, write that idea. down so we don't no, forget. No, 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 no. That, no <laughs> that, that was what I got through two recessions on. Oh, no. I had to think long-term with short-term gain versus long-term mm-hmm. gain through two recessions. One, I didn't make it through. Yeah. One recession, I didn't make it. Two, I did, though. This is my fourth recession in my professional career, and I've made it through three. Dude, we've had two in the I've last decade. And I've experienced six bailouts for my competition. Oh. Okay? And I haven't gotten any. So I feel like I know what I'm doing. That's why they call me Saturday to find out simple little things like, how do we do this? Because they know that sometimes just talking through yeah. is the best way to go, even when there's no right or wrong answer. Right. And in their case, it might be like their first uh, you know, intuition might be not the way to go. So right. good idea to talk it over with somebody. Well, folks, that's what we got for that, unless you got any final no, thoughts. No, but we got to come back to this because there's a lot of other stuff we could go into on this. We for just sure. put 20 pounds of potatoes in a five pound uh, yeah. sack. And we you just know, didn't even scratch the surface. Probably called out a couple business owners that'll never call me back. <laughs> He's like, dude, that's. No, good. I'm thinking you're probably going to get more calls now, man. Well, coming up next, folks, Pete Obermiller, the Wyoming Petroleum Association, as we transition out of playing hard into working hard, although I just felt like we worked a little bit there. Yeah. Well, you have fun, though. Car's dead. The engine's froze. I feel the wind chill down to my toes. Well, I'm glad I don't live too far away. Oh, well, the moonlight shining on my walk home. I'm breathing in cold air, exhaling smoke. So quiet, I can hear it all. And I'm walking out. The Crude Life with Jason Speece. Thank you for joining the program today. If you want to look at America, you go to Permian and the Bakken, and, and that's what America should be, united as one. And that's exactly what we are. And, and then, you know, that's what I love about the oil and gas industry. One county in Kansas, one single county, produced 9% of the world's oil. That was oil that won World War One, As the British said from the floor of Parliament, the Allies floated to victory on a sea of oil. Works picked up here in the Permian Basin. Yeah, leadership really needs to take a look at how we've been doing things and constantly make changes in how we can do things better. Commodities are always, 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 any commodity business, whether it's milk or whether it's oil or whether it's apples, they always are boom or bust because the solution to low prices is high prices. The solution to high prices is, you know, is high prices. It's a big issue. You know, it's kind of red riding hood syndrome here. People making out the industry to be the big bad wolf and on top of that you know you would get a nice increase in pay as i'm sure most of us all know when you move to oil field areas you get a, a nice little bump in pay after him and i having five margaritas over at the cork and pig i called my boyfriend and i was like hey do you want to move to texas and he was like yeah when when are we moving <laughs> and honestly we moved about a month after that this oil and gas industry i've met some of the best people i've ever met in my life doing this 
Play hard, work hard. Now let's work hard. All right. Thank you for joining us today. We have the opportunity this day, this afternoon, to talk with Pete Obermuller, and he is the president of the Petroleum Association of Wyoming. Hello, Pete. How are you? Hello, Jenica. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm doing fine. Thanks. Good. Good deal. I'm glad that you were able to take some time and talk with me today. Um First off, let's begin, if you would, by kind of explaining what it is that you do for the Petroleum Association of Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks. So the Petroleum Association is uh, it's a trade association that represents uh, the oil and gas industry in Wyoming. Uh, it has uh, been the voice of oil and gas in Wyoming for uh, 100 years, actually, this year uh, is... Uh, uh, it's our, our anniversary. We were partnered with other states for a while and then um, in the middle part of the century uh, uh, split off into our own separate state organizations. Uh, and PW is, is the only statewide oil and gas uh, association in Wyoming. We have, uh, you know, around 200 members from uh, upstream uh, oil and gas operators. Uh, to uh, pipelines, uh, midstream uh, gathering, and uh, and downstream refineries, and then all the the, the people who orbit that whole world, uh, environmental consultants and engineers and and uh, attorneys and, and and whatnot. So I um, I run that association, which means that uh, I do a lot of advocacy on their behalf. Uh, you know, the trade association is of course uh, set up to. Uh, work for and advocate for the, the interests of, of our members to make sure that, that uh, energy development can continue to happen in the state. Uh, so work a lot with local, state, and federal um, elected officials and agencies to, uh, to get that job done. Wow. That's a lot of that's a lot of moving pieces. You must do a pretty good job with your advocacy as well, because I had seen that there was an article at the Tribune that listed you as the number one lobbyist for 2020 out of the top five in Wyoming. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I think maybe they only asked my mom or something. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about about that. It, it was it was nice of them. It's a small world in Wyoming. I think, uh, uh, you know, that's um, one of the unique things about working here, Wyoming is, of course, uh, 10th largest state in the in the country, uh, but we have the smallest population, only only about uh, 600,000 people in the entire state. Uh, so uh, you break that down into the world of the legislature and those who work in and around the legislature. There's not very many of us, quite frankly. We're a pretty tight group and have a lot of respect for each other. That's pretty neat. And congratulations on that. In any case, I thought it was pretty cool. And I'm sure if they asked your mom, she was uh, totally unbiased. (laughs) Probably. Right. right. (laughs) So out of curiosity, because I know that this last year has most likely been um, strenuous, maybe a good word, tumultuous, Mm -hmm. lots of ups and downs. How how has the association, how how have you guys dealt with, with everything ongoing through this last year? Yeah, it's been quite a challenge. And, uh, you know, I think it certainly has been more downs than ups, quite frankly. Um, but but you're right, even in even in the very difficult times, we had some successes that I, I think are worth uh, worth touting. So, uh, you know, it was um, obviously it came as a total surprise, the uh, the absolute collapse in uh, in the demand for for oil and gas globally. And uh, it happened uh, so quickly 
uh, and you know, right at the time, it's sort of hard to remember now, but at the time when nobody really had any sort of understanding of what what COVID was or what its impact was, uh, and so um, there was uh, there was all of that too. So we worked. It, it really kind of it, it, it shifted initially. Um, the association uh, you know went into uh, a little bit of crisis management to make sure that. Um, in the event that there were shutdown uh, and and stay at home orders, which ultimately we didn't we didn't have in, in Wyoming to to our governor's great credit, um, but to make sure that that energy workers could still make sure they were uh, on the job and could uh, you know provide the the resource necessary to uh, you know so that Americans could continue to turn on their lights and have heat and all that sort of thing. So uh, uh, so that that was the initial uh, work. Once that calmed down a little bit, we shifted and, and worked pretty hard with the state to uh, and federal agencies, frankly, to to find ways uh, to uh, help uh, agencies transition into and, and the industry transition into a remote work environment. Wyoming had a lot of rules in place that required personal, uh, you know, in-person meetings, in-person signatures, those sorts of things that uh, that we actually had to do work to, to transition to digital signatures and, and, and remote meetings, things that we just had never done before here, uh, in part because of our small population, it's easier to get together in a lot, a lot of times. So those changes actually are, are for the better, even when we're past this stage. Uh, the ability to, to you know, work digitally is, is helpful to, to our industry and to the state, frankly. So that, um, uh, that was a good thing. And we were able to, to, to get some of that, those things in place, along with other, uh, just a little bit of, of relief and, and moratorium on, uh, uh, you know, we, you would have deadlines to, to meet certain inspection requirements or, or, or fill out certain forms. And, uh, and the people doing that work were in cities where there was stay at home orders and they couldn't get the office to do it. And, and missing those deadlines normally comes with a penalty. And our state agencies really worked very hard to, uh, just to, for common sense on those sorts of things, let people uh, work those issues out without, uh, uh, you know, the threat of penalties for for missing a deadline because they couldn't get to their office. Yeah, yeah, I can only imagine how how stressful that probably was during the transition uh, to being able to do things on a more remote basis. And so, you think that that's probably going to continue then? I do. I, there's, yeah, there has been some changes and, 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 you know, that will, I think, will continue on, on that score. Not the uh, relaxing of penalties for missed deadlines, of course, it, were, it was short term and we we're totally fine with that. Right. Um, that was just for the, the, the sort of the crisis moment. But but yeah, the, the acceptance of and the ability to work in a remote environment um, uh, are both much improved. Uh, we, we actually really didn't even have the ability in a lot of cases, and, and we've worked through the regulatory issues to, to make that possible. Uh, and then after that, there really just hasn't been a lot of acceptance of it, and, and that's really changed a lot, too. People are kind of really eager to get back together, but um, uh, but I think we'll see a lot more remote remote work. Well, that, that's kind of an interesting thing to, to make note of. I guess I hadn't even considered once things kind of got calmed back down whether or not uh, the, the technological um, I don't want to say advances, but the de- developments, I suppose, in the daily procedures, whether or not they would be staying. But if it helps to streamline, then it's always good to count the blessings where they come, right? Right, right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then I would think just to, uh, before we pivot off what the association did, I think you know we move into like into the fall, and um, I think probably the 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 biggest success that we had, the brightest spot that we had, and it's it's really credit to our to our governor uh, on this is is Wyoming was one of of only two states, North Dakota, the other one that um, proactively used money from the CARES Act to um to help the oil and gas industry and in our case um it, it was really a, a smart program a clever program that, that wyoming put together that it wasn't you know most of those programs for businesses were you know you just you show a loss and you get some money to help you out with that loss and that's totally great and fine we're completely supportive of that in, in oil and gas case it wasn't that it was um the money was tied to a uh, a, a promise to um, an agreement to restart projects, to complete wells that were drilled and uncompleted, to finish uh, plugging and abandoning and reclamation work that couldn't be finished this year. So uh, they, Wyoming ended up um, sending $30 million to 65 different companies in Wyoming to do those projects. And um, the benefit is just uh, is enormous. Uh, you know, those 65 companies ended up hiring um, over 150 local Wyoming vendors and contractors to do the work. Um, uh, you know, so far to date, it's put to work uh, uh, over 2,500 people, and um, and a lot of those companies invested more into the project than what the award was. Uh, so in terms of economic restart, and then those projects will return tax dollars that ultimately will end up being more than the $30, $30 million spent on the program in the first place. So um, it's a rare program from, from the CARES Act standpoint that it's uh, it's gonna end up uh, resulting in revenue as opposed to to just uh, giving out giving out the money. And it was a lifeline to a lot of our our companies in Wyoming, and uh, really, really pretty proud of that one. That's wonderful. It's always good to hear positive results with with uh, implementation of legislation and uh, and taxpayer money like that. It's wonderful to hear when it does does good things. And I know that it was not easy. At one point this last year, wasn't Wyoming down to like rig count zero? So things had almost come to a standstill. So the way that I, I had understood it was that that money had almost come like right in time. Yeah, you're right. It was, uh, that was the low point. And there were probably, you know, sort of two low points. Uh, you'll remember back in the spring when, when oil prices went negative and, uh, thankfully that turned out to be, um, uh, a very strange, uh, outlier. Uh, but then, yeah, in, in, in July, Wyoming dropped to zero rigs for about a week. And, um, that is the first time, uh, since 1884, since before Wyoming was a state, that Wyoming did not have a rig drilling for for oil. Uh, so it was um, it was a historic week, uh, but not a good one. Um, and it really, at that point, we weren't sure what was was going to happen. And um, uh, you know, there's still a lot of uncertainty about it, but uh, we always sort of knew that 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 demand would rebound. Uh, it's just a matter of when and whether or not companies could weather that storm. Uh, and, you know, the, uh, they really, you know, companies pulled out the stops to do whatever they could to, to keep their people and, and just uh, stay afloat. 
until uh, we got through it. Uh, and the injury rebound program certainly helped. It shouldn't actually come until December, but um, uh, uh, when the, when prices had started to rebound just a little bit. So now as of this week, we're, we're, I think we're up at six rigs, uh, which is still down by about 30 from this time last year. So, you know, it's not, it's not awesome, but um, uh, better than zero. How does it look for uh, the rest of the rebound here as we're kind of picking things back up? Does it look like it's, it's heading in a positive direction or? Yeah, it does. It, it kind of depends on, um, uh, on what, uh, aspect you're looking at um, in terms of demand, you know, we've certainly seen as, as the economies have reopened and, and uh, you know, this uh, expect to continue as the vaccine rolls out that, uh, that, that demand is of course um, coming back up and that really helps. I think the difficulty for Wyoming in that is, is we're, we're just really far to market and um, uh, you know, demand uh, while demand has been sort of V shaped uh, production in Wyoming has been slower. It's it's more like a reverse check mark. It it come, came back up kind of part way and then it's flattened out again. Mm. Um, so we're going to have to see demand come back and come back in a sustainable way uh, for for that to 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 really help Wyoming. And uh, so so I, we're optimistic about demand and 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 uh, you know it'll come back eventually. Um, I think what tempers that optimism is uh, you know Wyoming is. The Wyoming surface acreage is about half owned by the federal government, and Wyoming subsurface minerals is almost three quarters, a little over three quarters owned by the federal government. And uh, the Biden administration is uh, not going to be uh, eager to be helpful uh, for us. It's probably the nicest way for me to put it. And well, that was kind of my next question, too, was, you know, looking into the the near future to ongoing throughout the year as the new administration comes forward, what what you were thinking that might look like. Yeah, it's uh, I I just uh, uh, got off of a meeting where we had a pretty lengthy presentation about about the various um, uh, things that will we can we'll need to be watching in the coming months. But, you know, candidate Joe Biden. Um, talked a lot about, uh, you know, potential bans on, on federal leases. Um, uh, you know, Vice President-elect uh, Harris, uh, you know, is on record of supporting a ban on, on hydraulic fracturing. Um, uh, Secretary of Interior Deb Holland uh, nominee uh, is on record supporting bans of hydraulic fracturing and, and all of that. Um, that's all, uh, you know, obviously that's distressing. Um, there's some question about how much of that is, uh, is political rhetoric and campaign rhetoric. Um, but, uh, in terms of full out bans, but we do very much expect that, um, you know, that, uh, analysis will, will take longer. There'll be, uh, um, there lots more hurdles put in place, uh, and, uh, and perhaps moratorium on, on permits and those sort of things, at least in the near term. Uh, that will uh, really limit limit our ability to develop in Wyoming uh, and New Mexico and the other the other public lands states that will be pretty tough. Mm. 
Well, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how all of that plays out. I know in a different discussion that I had had, uh, the individual was talking about how a lot of the practices for the oil and gas industry were kind of put into place during the Obama administration. And so this individual didn't think that much would change. But uh, realistically, if would it even be possible to completely ban the 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 drilling and the production? Yeah, so I, yeah, I don't know who you were talking to, of course, but you, you'll see there, there has been a lot of that kind of talk that, well, you know, um, uh, you know, Biden's not going to do that bad. He'll um, he'll work with industry and uh, and you know, people put stuff in place during the Obama administration. All, all that is true um, if you if you are only talking about oil and gas development on private lands. Um, they, they have not changed their messaging and their opinion about what they're going to do on federal lands. And that is a very different uh, conversation to have. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, take, for example, we just we just had in the closing days of the Trump administration, a, a major um, oil and gas planning project finally come to fruition that has been in the planning and in the works for seven years, a seven year development just to get to the point where the federal government says it's okay to even propose specific specific projects. So, um, you know, I, I guess I, I bristle a little bit at comments that it's not going to be that bad because I think what that shows is um, it, it sort of, it highlights what, what my issue is about it, which is um, what, what Biden and Harris have been talking about will end up shifting production to private land states. And, you know, in which case it'll have no measurable impact on the kinds of things that, that a President Biden wants, like uh, like improve, improvements to emissions and climate. It, it, it will only um, really hinder um, uh, Wyoming's economy and the people, the you know, the 15,000 people in Wyoming who depend upon it for their livelihoods and that sort of thing. It just it shifts uh, production as opposed to actually solves any any problems that want to be solved. So, um, uh, so that's my issue. Now, to get to your second question about banning, um, it, it, it's kind of a question of, of what you mean by that. Um, a, a, you know, the, the Mineral Leasing Act requires leasing uh, four times a year in every state. So, um, you know, you can't. Depending on how broad they attempted a ban, they, they would run into some legal jeopardy there, both in terms of leasing and in terms of permits. Uh, but they can certainly they have a lot of latitude in terms of slowing leasing, um, uh, putting additional restrictions on leasing, slowing permitting in particular, um, uh, even moratorium on permitting, which I think is a bigger threat than a leasing ban. And uh, and then just um, layer upon layer upon layer of of various permit restrictions that make uh, operating on federal lands just economically impossible. So is it a ban? Um, probably not. Is it a de facto ban? Probably so. Well, I I will be praying that things work out better than than that scenario for, for certain. That was kind of closer to how I was imagining, um, you know, the interpretations of what was being said by the candidates throughout the, throughout the campaign. So it kind of intrigued me to hear that mm-hmm. alternative opinion. That was the first that I'd heard of it. But um, gosh, I liked that outcome better than the one you just described. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, I mean, to be fair, I, I, I think those I've read those articles, two of those, and I, and I think they're actually probably right um, that there is going to be that's a lot of that. Some of it was campaign bluster and there's going to be opportunity to work together. And we're certainly um, willing to do that as well. Uh, you know, there's um, we have shown willingness here and nationally uh, because, you know, I, mean, I think just our, our general. Um, not just us, but but all of all of America and Wyomingites conservation ethic is is different than it once was, and and uh, industry has shown that they will put um, resources and money and people uh, and expertise behind um, improving you know emissions, improving reclamation, and all that kind of stuff. There's there's a lot of work that we can do together, and. Uh, if the administration is willing to do that work uh, without shutting us down, we're we're going to be right there. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll have Absolutely. to see how it plays out. Well, okay. So on a happier note, toward the beginning of our discussion, you had mentioned that there were several victories over this last year that you felt worth mentioning. What? What? Go ahead and toot the horn. What victories are you talking about? Yeah, I mentioned a couple of them just in my in my <laughs> long monologue about what we were doing. Um, uh, I think you know early on it was uh, it really was the the work with the agencies and the and the governor to um, uh, to put in place uh, a, a little bit of regulatory relief, um, e- even in the short term, just to help people get through the crisis. And we were able to really activate that quickly and get a lot of um, uh, work done through our state lands, through oil and gas commission, through our department of revenue, through our department of environmental quality, uh, just to put in place, uh, some, um, uh, some help to, to help companies sort of weather the storm. Uh, and then, um, and then after that, it, it was, uh, you know, the, the biggest victory was the energy rebound program. Uh, I don't, uh, like I said, there's only two states that um, uh, that look to their oil and gas industry as um, uh, you know as major employers and major um, contributors to to K through 12 education and all that, and realize the gain that could be uh, this could be realized by the state uh, by by supporting uh, oil and gas workers and and, and development. Uh, through that through those funds so so super proud of that that's wonderful um so pending everything going well within these next couple weeks and couple months are there any big victories you're looking forward to for this year well i tell you what i would just love to have (laughs) it be quiet for a minute or two um you know there's in 2019, before all this happened, you know, Wyoming had about the, the busiest uh, regulatory and legislative year it had had in a long, long time on oil and gas. Uh, so it was a very busy and uh, challenging year. Uh, and I thought once I got through 2019, everything would be great. Um, so uh, so you, you never know. Our, our legislature is um, in session in sort of a strange uh, a hybrid virtual way right now. Um, there are a few bills that are on our radar, but there's nothing, um, nothing existential, uh, at least yet. And uh, I, I tell you, I would, I would count it as a victory if we had a legislative session where, um, where, where we were just allowed to breathe and get back on our feet a little bit, a bit better. You know what? I, I, that sounds like a victory. I, I agreed absolutely. If we could just have just, just a period of calm. That absolutely sounds like a good time. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. 
Well, I guess with that in mind, is there anything else that you would like to make mention of anything uh, notable or that uh, those listening might be interested in knowing moving forward? Um, yeah, I, I, you know, it's just, um, I really appreciate this conversation. I, I think you heard me probably get a little bit of, you know, maybe too passionate about it. I, I think to the extent that, that people are listening from places that, that aren't, um, so heavily dominated by federal lands. I mean, you basically, it's Wyoming and New Mexico are kind of the top ones, but, but Alaska and Colorado and, uh, some of the others do too, that Montana, of course, um, that there's there's always something a little bit different going on on federal lands than than in the rest of the country you know texas or or the uh, uh or oklahoma or north dakota or any of those those places that are more private lands so um uh, i would just just ask uh your listeners don't don't, don't forget about us we're going to be we're, we're going to have a little bit of, probably more of a challenge than our than our compatriots in other parts of uh, of the country and uh, uh uh we can we can use the help and support Absolutely. Sounds great. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today, Pete. I very much appreciate it. Oh, this is great. A lot of fun. Happy to do it. Thanks. Well, uh, hopefully we'll be seeing some really great things coming this year. And in the meantime, have a wonderful rest of your night and a great weekend. Yeah, you too. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you again. Sounds good. Thanks, Pete. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, friends and listeners, that was Pete Obermuller, the current president of the Petroleum Association of Wyoming. He's also the former leader of the Wyoming County Commissioners Association. Uh, He's very knowledgeable, as you probably just noticed. And if you were to get up online, you can certainly uh, Google his name and find up a whole bunch of, of different times where he's talked out about the industry. Otherwise, you can certainly check out P-A-W-Y-O.org if you'd like to find out more about the Petroleum Association of Wyoming. That was P-A-W-Y-O.org. And if you like what you've heard and you want to check out even more great content, take a look at what the rest of the crudelife.com has to offer.
with Jason Spies. Thank you for joining the program today. You know, I, I come from an oil background. My family's been in the oil and gas industry for 60 years. I, I think the thing with the younger generation is the younger generation has pretty much bought into the climate change phenomenon. They really believe everything that people tell them. We just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us, and especially you, Jason. Without without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. So I, I don't want to be real critical of them because being a guy who's, you know, dad has several small businesses and, and coming from that sort of small business background, I get it. I mean, the, the, the operators here were put in a real bad position by the state of North Dakota. I'm glad that we've got people like you to pay attention and bring us information on stuff like this. Prices can't go any lower for services. I, I, they're, they're too low right now. I, our margins are in the single percentage point if we're lucky, and we're not lucky that often. You're exactly right. ESG is becoming more and more important to shareholders. I can speak for my 20 companies. They take it very serious. It makes perfect sense, and I thought you had a really good show last week. Jason, I love your inquisitive questions because you you ask important questions that that lead to the most important truths. Hey, this is Kevin Kramer representing proudly the state of North Dakota United States Senate. Talking to Jason Spies, who's like the best energy interviewer in the world. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. We all like living the crude life, so. <laughs> the Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with the chairwoman of the Texas Railroad Commission, Christy Craddock. In just a moment, part of our exclusive interview with Commissioner Christy Craddock, right here on the Crude Life Daily Update. And carbon capture, we have had carbon capture rules in our world in Texas, and we're one of the first states to have them, period, since 2003. We do carbon capture in Texas and are using it in our oil fields. Been doing that since 2003. I think we're the first state to have done that. And those rules go through the Royal Commission as well. All of that being said, our biggest piece really does have to do with oil and gas and the oil and gas permitting. And we're the biggest state. We like being the biggest and we hope we continue being the biggest state for both production, rig count, um, about a third of the country's oil and the fourth of the country's natural gas right now and production wise is coming out of Texas. So we have a big job in the state and we are happy to have good rules and regulations in place for that. The reason we do our job first and foremost is to prevent waste. So that was one of the reasons we started regulating oil and gas back 101 years ago and protect the environment. Those are our two priorities at our agency. And so when we talk about protecting the environment, one of the things that we have and have had for years and years and have some of the some of the oldest ones and the best practices, we believe, are rules and regulations, right? And we think they're one common sense rules and regulations. We try not to overregulate. We try to work with companies and industry, but we also make sure you follow our rules and regulations. To that end, we have inspectors. So we have roughly on the oil and gas side about 150, give or take, inspectors just for the oil and gas division. We have another about 30 people who are on our division for coal and coal mines, and then about 70 people in our pipeline division. So almost half of our agency, a good third to half of our agency is inspectors that are out in the field every day doing inspection. To listen to the full-length interview with the chairwoman of the Texas Railroad Commission, Chrissy Craddock, or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. 
While you're there, be sure to check out our morning show, Play Hard, Work Hard, and our social media pages. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard.